0: Welcome to the MindBeat Podcast by Effective School Solutions. I'm your host, Duncan Young, CEO of Effective School Solutions. And
1: I'm your co-host, Lane Whitaker, Senior Director, Professional Learning at Effective School Solutions.
0: The MindBeat podcast is the definitive source for all topics related to school-based mental health. From sharing best practices to highlighting innovative school districts to keeping track of legislation, MindBeat is the go-to source for educators and administrators looking to implement a mental health care continuum. Together, we can make a difference in school-based mental health care and in the lives of students, families, and educators. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Beat Podcast. I'm here with Lane Whitaker. Hello. Our Senior Director of Professional Learning. I'm Duncan Young, CEO of Effective School Solutions. We have a great guest today, Mike Lombardo, who works with the Placer County, California uh, Department of Mental Health and is incredibly knowledgeable on All things mental health, all things mental health funding, uh, both in California but across the country. So, Lane, we're really excited to have him. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I think by the time this airs, it's probably going to be sometime in late May. It will either be immediately before or after Memorial Day. How would you rank Memorial Day relative to your other kind of your big three summer holidays, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day?
1: I feel like Memorial Day it always rains. Like, I, huh. I, I can't remember the last Memorial Day where there was, like, consistent sunshine. So, I don't know. It's nice to have a three-day weekend, but I don't get too hype about doing any, like, outdoor activities. Um, I, I do have a barbecue that I'm going to go to that I go to every year that um, my friends do. It's like a three-day barbecue. It's insane. Wow. It, the food is unbelievable. The host is a caterer. So, I'm looking forward to Are that. Are you the
0: griller? Or do you have the apron on? Are you working the grill? Like
1: uh, I'm the marinator. I will okay. prepare the uh, meat marinader. for somebody else to grill it. I will... <laughs> you know, season it or whatever I have to do, whether it's a dry rub or some type of marinade or but I will prepare the food and then someone else needs to put it on the grill. I Got can't it. be too placed. At Would once. you I'm consider a dry choose. rub
0: a marinade? Like is every dry rub a marinade, but not every marinade is necessarily a dry rub?
1: I don't know what the what the actual thing is but in my mind the way I distinguish it is a marinade is liquid yeah it's, it's wet A, yeah, a marinade
0: yeah, is wet a yeah. dry rub by by as the as the term would tell us is <laughs> right. dry
1: and they're both really good I think the marinade is going to be like penetrating the actual meat so it's really I think rough. see
0: I think what I've heard is that a dry rub actually gets more you get Ooh. like the oh, brings the, the salt or something yeah it gets the out? diffusion of the salt like into the into rub. the meat I do a lot meat me as well so <laughs> are
1: you a good barbecue you, uh, like, I, I, like,
0: I would say I'm a I'm I, I'm a moderate level barbecuer, okay. but uh, you know what I love a dry rub on is, is on wings. I, yes. I actually profile like a little dry rub wing. They're or like delicious. A, an actual like buffalo wing. You yeah. Know, or like a sticky wing or something like yeah. that. So.
1: I love a good dry rub, like a mesquite one or something or the lemon pepper. So good.
0: All right. Well, on an upcoming <laughs> My Beat episode, we are going to be we doing need... our official My Beat review
2: of, of <laughs> dry do. rubs. Right? We need so. to take
1: our, our show on the road like, uh, what is it, diners, cars Yeah. Dry yeah. Dry. yeah. We need to do like a My Beat, like, you know, mental health is good food too, right? I Right. Have, so you, have you
2: ever
0: seen the YouTube show Hot Ones? Do you know what this yes, is? Yes,
1: with, with the wings, especially the wings. With the
0: ten wings, maybe we yes. could do that, but with dry it with rubs, that. it would be like we dry rubs of increasing spice. Right? Where
1: like they're so good, people are licking their fingers and yeah. can't answer the questions. By the end, you're, so you're just good. eating
0: pure chili powder or something like that. Yeah.
1: So nice.
0: Okay, well, got it. We're con- continuing with our mindy tradition of starting every episode off with something food related. And again, as I look at the clock here, it's 11:32, lunchtime. This is yeah. not a. This is not a. Like I still get
1: comments about the Melba toast one. People are still. Very, very excited about that check's mix.
0: That was uh, we're talking about a lot of important topics on here, but nothing has gotten more feedback on Mindbeat than us discussing Melba Toast versus bagel crisps yeah. as part of your check. It's Czech very trick.
1: popular, so, it turns yeah, out. I got
0: a very, very passionate <laughs> feelings that people have about it. So yeah. well then why don't we why don't we jump right in and begin with our top three list for today?
1: Let's do it. So the top three for today is top three ways to talk to students about mental health. So my top three ways are first, we wanna destigmatize the conversation by just normalizing mental health. We all struggle, whether we're staff, students, um, everyone on this planet struggles with mental health to varying degrees at time from time to time. So we want to um, just establish that it's not a weakness, that it's okay to ask for help and just continue to have these conversations just be normalized. And then the second thing is we really want to embed self-regulation into a school day. I think both staff and students need to know, you know, not only how do I reset, but how do I know when I need a reset? What is going on with my behaviors, my thoughts or um, or physiologically? You know, am I sweating? Am I do I have a lump in my throat? Do I have a stomach ache? Like what are the indicators that I need to to pay attention to my mental health? And then last, I would say um, incorporating like mental health electives into the school day. And that would be at a K to 12 level. I've seen um, I'm thinking of a particular district in um in Pennsylvania that I worked with uh, several years ago and they had a really nice and I'm sure other schools do this too but they had a really nice SEL program where the Uh, guidance counselors would take the class on like a special, take them to like the library or the media center or whatever, and have an SEL class where they really discussed mental health issues. And I thought this was great because it was also providing some mental health relief for the uh, primary teacher because this was like a special. And, uh, you know, normally teachers would get a a break during music or gym or art. So this gave them another chance to sort of regroup and, and, um, you know, get their own mental health. Uh, in check because there's a lot of intense behaviors and just the school day can be intense for teachers. So, um, so that's a nice way to do it, to embed that social emotional learning within the, the school day. I think also the nice thing about having the guidance counselor provide that is that you have now a relationship with the guidance counselor. I didn't know my guidance counselor growing up, like if you didn't have a problem, you really didn't have much interaction so I think that that is, uh, goes a long way towards uh, kids you know, having a relationship with the counselor to be more likely to speak up if there's an issue. And um, I, th- I think that would be it. I think those are my top three ways. But basically, you just want it to be embedded. I've seen a really ambitious program in California and uh, I believe it's Yosemite County where kids who are tier three kids, um, the highest risk kids, were um, taught about mental health and then created their own mental health class with the support of the staff, obviously, to go to middle schools and other schools within that district and share their mental health message. So, um, you know, in in our previous podcast, we talked about the community service aspect and how that really helps a lot of kids with their behavior. And I think the same thing happened here. They felt useful. They felt that belonging. They felt I have something to offer. And uh, and it made their own mental health issues kind of gave up, what purpose to pain sure. kind yeah, of yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. I love so.
0: that. I love that. I mean, it, 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 it starts to live at the intersection of kind of like peer support, starts mm-hmm. to live at the uh, intersection of some of these student-driven kind of initiatives that are out there. So right. uh, good stuff. Thanks, Leah. It's a great, great list. Um, so why don't we jump into uh, In the News? Uh, in the News for this week is an article from Education Week entitled kids declining mental health is the crisis of our time surgeon general says <clears throat> and this is a uh article describing a conversation between u.s surgeon general vivek murthy who i think has really um uh you know been revealed as an incredibly kind of strong proponent of of kind of mental health and school-based mental health uh, during his tenure and this is a conversation between him and vermont senator bernie sanders that was live streamed on twitter Uh, A few a few weeks ago, and uh, you know, Murthy called the increase in youth mental health needs the defining public health crisis of our time. First time I've heard him use that language, and underscore that kids' mental health has taken a hit as they turn to social media more often and at younger ages. And that was really the bulk of the conversation, was talking about the need for regulation of social media companies. Murthy said the companies that own the platforms aren't doing enough to address the damage that they're causing. And he had a great quote, which I read here, a lot of these platforms have been designed by some of the most talented players in the world to maximize the amount of time that kids spend on them, and then frankly, adults as well. That might be from a business perspective a reasonable model, but from a public health perspective, that is not actually what we want because it's having a bad effect on our kids. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are brain scientists and you know neuroscientists at Facebook and Instagram and and TikTok that have figured out how to target the addicted pleasure centers of of kind of the brain to keep so people up, kind of right? on social media. <laughs> so and up. and it's a great example of kind of like the. Alignment between the business goal and like the social health, the, the public health goal, they're they're not they're not aligned. And so this to me is like a perfect perfect chance for kind of like common sense regulation to to come into to place. And um, you know, Murthy talks a little bit about uh, you know in this interview some of the things that could be done to address that. So I do feel like in the next five to ten years, hopefully sooner, we're going to see a lot of movement on the legislative front to try to get um, you know just some some clearer kind of regulations and guidelines in place, kind of around around uh, social media. And then I think AI we're hearing a lot now uh, as well, that feels like kind of the next the next wave that, mm-hmm. you know, could could have kind of unintended consequences on on how we consume information. And I think by extension, kind of, you know, individuals, mental health. So uh, right. uh, going to be an interesting and in some ways kind of a scary kind of next few years that we're, we're going into.
1: Well, it's so messed up that it's you know, it's one thing if it were just an unintended byproduct of this. Wow, it's really addictive. <laughs> we found out in this and that and the third, but that it was so intentional and in targeting kids. It's like that's the part that's really really messed up to me. But hopefully we'll have some legislation help regulate some of that soon. Got
0: it. Lane, we've got a great uh, great guest today. Uh, we are here with uh, Mike Lombardo. Uh, Mike is someone we've known for a while and uh, uh, wears a lot of different hats. He's the executive director with the Placer County, California Office of Education and coordinates the California Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports Coalition, PBIS. Uh, he is a, a person with multifaceted interests uh, focused on creating environments where children can achieve their very best, feel engaged, safe and supported. Huge advocate for mental health and uh, one of the most knowledgeable individuals I think we've met around kind of the mechanics of funding for large scale mental health initiatives, particularly in California that has, you know, I, I think it's fair to say a fair degree of uh, uh, complexity and a very mm-hmm. multifaceted uh, kind of setup for how mental health uh, supports in schools get, get funded. Uh, Mike, we're incredibly excited to have you here with us today, uh, welcome. Thank you. We Thank you. we appreciate good. you getting up early on the uh, on the West Coast. We know you're starting your day. We're kind of getting towards towards midday here on the uh, on the East Coast. But uh, I thought maybe we could start off just with like a little bit about your background and, and role, your journey into education, and some of your most impactful professional experiences.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll start with as I as I left college, um, my first role in this work was as a crisis counselor here. California on the California Youth Crisis Line. And I think that helped me uh, develop a passion for this work, passion for helping children and families. Uh, Fast forward to to the future, my professional career has included working for integrated agencies in our county, it's the Placer Children's System of Care. Um, I had roles in this work as a probation officer, if you can believe it, many, many, many years ago. Uh, then I moved um, to direct our mental health um, our mental health work in Placer County. So I was our assistant director of our system of care over child welfare, mental health, probation, education, and then ten years ago I had a great opportunity to come to education and uh, really focus on trying to transform how how schools work with children and families and really look at a whole child approach. Uh, it was an opportunity to get across the, the sidewalk, if you will, connect community-based agencies, public agencies with children in schools, serving children and staff where they're at and transforming school environments. Kind of pass it
0: up. Yeah, that's great, really a multifaceted background. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure to see Hi, you. Good
0: morning.
1: Um, so I am curious about what is your take on the on the state of mental health today? And I want you to go back about five years to present. I'm curious what your thoughts are of the uh, pen. You know, there was definitely a crisis in mental health leading up to the pandemic. Then there's certainly the midst of the cr- pandemic, arguably still in it <laughs> today. What are, what are your thoughts on how mental health? Um, the state of mental health affairs in schools right now or over the last five years?
2: Yeah, uh, three in post or kind of not quite post yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to the pandemic, I I think we were in a mental health crisis. So the crisis was real. Uh, Children were hurting and suffering and families. Um, Lots of stigma around people's ability to get supports or people to say, I need help. Well, many of us knew it was a crisis. I don't think it was as public and the pandemic, sadly, um, exacerbated those needs for sure. It made it harder, uh, more trauma, more staying at home, all the impacts of, of a pandemic, but, you know, not not to be two glasses half full about such a, a, a worldwide tragedy, it did raise awareness about mental health. I feel like it reduced stigma. I think it made it more okay for people to get help. It certainly increased our tools to get help, like things like this, um, or access to more mental health services. Uh, but you know, it has a perception of the sharp increase of mental illness, and I, I, I know it was sharp, but I think mostly we talk about it and people are accessing more health services. So in, in an odd way, I think the pandemic helped mental illness um, be addressed more in, in public and certainly more in schools.
0: So, Mike, how's that being reflected in, in California? I mean, I mentioned before that California, at least from my observation, seems to have one of the more multifaceted approaches to school-based mental health of any state in the country. Can you maybe talk about, like, for the for the layman listener, like, what are the different components of the school-based mental health care delivery system in California? And, like, what role, for example, does, like, the county play versus the district, kind of, you know, so
2: on and so forth? Yeah, sure. So... I think the pandemic shined a light on schools. I mean, I think it shined a light on children's academic performance, their success, but it also shone a light on whole child care and that we can't help children grow, learn, graduate, thrive unless we improve the environments that they're in. So, California um, has been generous enough to make a very heavy investment in our children zero through 25 through the Child Youth Behavioral Health Initiative. I'll talk more about that in a second. But I think it also helped us look at or transform how we work with children, uh, focusing more on an integrated system of support. Um, California has led the way across the country using a strategy called multi-tiered systems of support and positive behavioral supports in schools. I think all of those things have have improved since the pandemic. So to address that part of your question, what's our service, service delivery system? I see more and more schools um, really focused on support in children in a multi-tiered way. I meaning they help um, increase supports through universal strategies. So what do we do for all children? Uh, secondary strategies, what do we do for some? And then what do we do for the most intensive? So I see schools more and more uh, organizing their supports. That's probably one of the number one requests I get to talk about or from school districts. I think we're uh, happily looking across the sidewalk. Like I mentioned earlier, we're looking at working with partner agencies or public agencies more. Um, And then I think a lot of schools are starting to look, and I mentioned this earlier, at an integrated system. But what's that team at the school site that's there to support children? Who should be on that team? How do we organize those supports uh, for, for our children? A lot of districts are using a model centered around a wellness center, so, a place where children can go on campus to get supports or have a moment to reset, have a brief intervention to help them support through a crisis or, or something that's happening adversely in their day. And then, you know, a lot of school districts are expanding that to an idea of a whole wellness campus because certainly and I know we've talked about it a lot, Duncan, you can't help just the child without helping the adults who help children. So we also look at supporting adults on campus and the environment of the campus.
0: Yeah, Mike, I think it's so valuable the support that you're providing because I do think there's a little bit of a maybe a, a Wild West dynamic about what's going on in many districts right now where this is brand new to them, right? So to have access to folks who can provide kind of advice and technical support and, and help, you know, kind of t- to your point, help them figure out kind of how to organize their supports, how to structure, you know, what does MTS actually look like? Right. Cause I, you know, you and I've talked before that you talked to, you know, a hundred different districts, you'll probably get a hundred different definitions of what MTSS looks like. So it seems like we're in this great period of kind of coalescing and standards kind of emerging around some of these areas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is a, an exciting time to, to be sure. I am, hugely optimistic about how we support children um, how we're bringing those supports directly to schools where children are there's a lot of research that says that's the most effective way um, if we can help children in the environment they're at really most of the time um, and help their families along that way we will have bigger and better more efficient more effective outcomes
1: so you know, when Duncan was reading your rather impressive bio uh, at the start of this, he mentioned your experience, uh, extensive experience in implementation and scaling up of evidence based practices, multi tiered systems of schools, juvenile justice, human service environments, and so on. So, a lot of districts definitely feel the need or see the need for those types of supports, but they uh, struggle with implementation. With your extensive experience, what would be your best advice for districts who are struggling with the implementation of those types of practices and services?
2: Yeah, Lane, that's a that's a good question. That's the secret recipe, right? That's <laughs> the last piece to the puzzle to make it work. Uh, to start with the idea of implementation science. So my non-example would be schools and districts or public agencies that kind of chase the new thing without clearly evaluating. How do we implement this program? Is it a good fit? So I think um, one key is creating a leadership team in that environment to select practices, know why we're doing those practices, monitor the implementation of the practices, brain to those models, uh, use data to understand, are we doing the right service delivery to the right student at the right time in the right dosage? Um, I know Duncan, Uh, excels at that area of of data collection. And I I think the good example is doing that and not just collecting data, but using it for decision-making. So the the quick answer is uh, knowing why we're implementing supports for kids, knowing who we're doing it for, how long, why, using data for decision-making, and then monitoring that implementation of, of the intervention why are we doing it are we doing it as intended Uh, those sorts of things and not forgetting training and coaching
0: and i think the other piece of that so there's implementation that i think there's the the funding piece of this as well which Mm -hmm. you know uh, mike you and i have talked a lot about and i think we are we are seeing a lot more discussion around like sustainability that seems to be kind of the key word when it comes to school-based mental health. Um, I mean, what are some of the main pieces of advice you would give to district leaders on this topic? And again, as I mentioned before, I really look at you as someone that's incredibly knowledgeable in this area. But what, what pieces of advice and then what, what do you see kind of coming down the pike here in the future?
2: Yeah, sure. So that's the probably other piece missing to the puzzle, right? Or the secret ingredient for the recipe. Um, and certainly the second or first most requested topic I get to Talk to people about or brainstorm ideas about, uh, and I'll, I'll give you the California context answer because um, I think California, over the last five ish years, has made a huge investment in transforming how we sustain services for children or how we fund services for children. Uh, the the first and probably less known by schools and districts is a Medi-Cal or Medicaid reform in California called CalAIM or California Advance and Innovate in Medi-Cal. In California, we call it Medi-Cal across the rest of your listeners is probably Medicaid. But to really center (coughs) that work around a whole person care. So how do we, back to my previous uh, conversation here, how do we integrate those supports? How do we look at the whole child? How do we look at the environment that child's in? So really change how we do and work with families instead of individually, but look at all their all their needs. Transform our delivery system in California. It's been um, increasingly complicated to navigate the vast array of, of um, reimbursement, insurance, and how we do the supports for children and improve access to make Medi-Cal more accessible for families. Lesser known part of the funding world and our schools anyways in California. Uh, more known is the governor's recent investment in children and families uh, called the Child Youth Behavioral Health Initiative or CYBHI. This is about a $4.2 billion investment in California's children and youth. There's 14 work streams focused on improving those outcomes um, and and funding those services. I think the state realized you just can't implement programs without transforming how we fund those programs into the future past when these uh, ambitious dollars run out, and they will. How do we sustain that? So three things that I'll mention real quick, Duncan. Um, One is, uh, one of the work streams is a student behavioral health initiative program. And this was designed to work with our managed care plans in California. So the insurance providers who provide uh, access and insurance for families on Medicaid. to have them better work with schools where children are at, but equally or even more importantly, to allow schools and districts to bill SBHIP or the Student Behavioral Health Initiative Program. So in our very near future, school districts will be able to establish contracts with the insurance providers to have that service happen on campus. Game change number one. The next one, even more ambitious, is something called the all-payer fee schedule. So, under CYBHI, uh, children in school sites or around school sites, adjacent to school sites, as I think what the language says, will be able to receive services at that at that site. So, we'll be able to fund how those services happen by billing both Medi-Cal and uh, wait for it, commercial insurance. Mm. So a school district, hypothetically, uh, will be able to bill uh, for my children's Kaiser insurance from the school site. So really moving from a hospital or clinic center to where children are at. Right, and reimburse right. schools to do that. And the, the last thing is probably the third, you know, request I get is we have no people. There's a workforce shortage in California. Well, everywhere, uh, particularly in mental health and human services. So the third um, work stream that I'll mention is to develop a program around wellness coaches. So these are people who can enter the workforce uh, and work on an associate's degree and work on a a bachelor's level degree while they're working at a school site. Typically people from the community, typically people who represent the students at the school will have increased access to the workforce, uh, thereby solving two problems. One, getting Mm -hmm. them through a curriculum to get a, a graduate type degree to be clinical if they would choose, but also really focusing on those universal or tier two supports that I mentioned earlier. Got it. Got it. Yeah.
0: So someone, so this is someone who doesn't have to have a master's degree necessarily and be like a licensed therapist, (laughs) but it's kind of this creation of almost kind of a slightly lower level kind of, uh, kind of wellness coach position that would be able to effectively extend basically clinical
2: supports across the state. Yeah, exactly. And so by having these individuals focus on those universals, it really frees up that clinician too to work more intensely with with children and their families at a school site.
0: Well, I'm struck, Mike, by a lot of things that are going on in California. It seems like that collectively, they're kind of starting to blur or break down some of the divisions that may have existed between the healthcare domain and the education domain. So is it fair to see some of this as kind of like a little bit of a merging of those two universes, particularly in terms of leveraging some of the traditional healthcare funding sources for school-based mental health?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair statement for sure. It's breaking down the silos uh, that are typically driven by funding streams or legislation or things like that. The state has really taken a focus on how do we break down those walls? How do we integrate the practices? How do we bring services where children are in a more effective, efficient way? So I, I think we're, we're well on the pathway to do that here in California. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Mike, earlier I asked you about the last five years, pre-pandemic and, and <coughs> to present. So now I'd like you to pretend that we can get in the DeLorean with Doc and Marty and head five years into the future. What do you think, what are your predictions for where we're going with mental health? And so what causes concern for you as you think about that, that, what that five years looks like and also what gives you uh, hope?
2: Yes. Um... I guess I'll start with 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 my concern. Um, although my concerns are decreasing and decreasing, which I, I think that's that's a good thing. Um, my concern is that we don't take advantage of this opportunity today. That you know, let's face the reality that that schools and staff are still coming back, still overwhelmed, still have suffered themselves. And so we're pressing into an environment that's pretty stressed already. And I think we need to do that carefully. I think we need, need to do that with concern. And I think we need to do that in in what I mentioned, an integrated way. My hope is that I, in my 33-year career, never thought I'd see today. Mm-hmm. I. I didn't see us across the country or in California turn in this corner the way that we have in the last five years. Uh, I am very optimistic that I, I exit that DeLorean and see an environment where kids are thriving at school where they can openly express themselves, where they can get the support they need when they need it, by whom they need it from. Um, that their voice is heard on a campus about how the supports are delivered and who delivers that, that work. And that we have a funding system that makes it possible to to do. And uh, I mean, let's face it, today funding is available and all children have insurance or most children. But the access to that is so difficult. Mm-hmm. So in the future, we're breaking down that that we're able to take clinicians and put them directly on a school site. People who are are trained and effective in services, and so I see that improving.
0: Thanks, Mike. And your your optimism, I think, is inspiring to to us. So it's great to hear with someone who kind of has your you know your your depth of experience in this to really kind of see in some you know bright things kind of down the down the corner um Elaine I do appreciate the back to the future reference right so <laughs> i was thinking to myself like this is where your mind goes in a podcast so i was like were doc and marty the only ones to get in the delorean
1: i think so no oh, you,
0: einstein biff, the dog
1: biff too wasn't biff, it, is biff that his him? name is his name biff biff, biff, biff. got in the biff. in the delorean he went to the way future remember <laughs> yeah, and
0: then the dog cuz they did the experiment he got the book, right so the dog yeah. yes but einstein,
1: he got the betting book and then got rich in the future, remember?
2: Uh, well, Duncan, I don't think they could have fit more Almanac. people in the DeLorean. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true.
1: De- De-
0: DeLorean was not built for comfort, right? It was built, built for, yeah. So like a...
1: My neighbor, when I was growing up, actually had whatever that car was, the DeLorean was. <laughs> it, was to go, it was very hype in the 80s. The goalie, yeah, the, go the Yeah, so, it was so fun. Uh,
0: wow, how quickly this conversation occurred, right? So... Uh, <laughs> So, Mike, we want to be respectful of your time. So we'll, we'll wrap up with the same question we ask at the end of our conversation with all of our guests. And and that is like what's in your mental health toolkit. What do you do to stay sane and, and kind of well, 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 regulated?
2: I think for me, it's it's important to stay active and to stay connected. So to be outside, whether it's gardening or hiking or um doing things and staying busy i think is important and then just staying connected Uh, for me it's so important to be connected to people like you all and others that are helping children and you know part of our our community that's doing their best to really transform how we how we work with kids
0: well mike we we, we appreciate you and all that you're all that you're doing, all that you've done over the kind of uh, years of, of your career. Uh, uh, great getting a chance to know you these past few months and uh, just uh, appreciate all of your efforts in this really important domain.
2: Well, thank you. I thank both of you for doing this and bringing this work and its importance to others uh, across the country or where, wherever you can access this podcast.
0: Amen. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. All right, Lane, why don't we uh, wrap it up with, uh, you know, what has inspired us this week. What has inspired you this week, Lane?
1: Well, at risk of being uh, of dating myself by the time this airs, I was really inspired by seeing the Sixers win game one against the Celtics, which was unexpected with Joel Embiid being out. And somehow we pulled it off with a game-winning uh, shot in the final seconds by James Harden. So I was inspired by that. Whether or not we win the series or not, I just think that that was incredible. I had very low expectations, <laughs> and they won in spectacular fashion. And then I'm also very inspired by Steph. Steph. Steph Curry's 50 points in a game seven. I just wish I was as good at anything in my life as he is at shooting that basketball. It's incredible. Um, Very inspiring to me just to see the work ethic and the confidence that he has also with the humility he has is is a wonderful, powerful combination.
0: Well, Lane, like all of our Philadelphia sports-related content, this is either going to age incredibly well or, or incredibly really poorly. poorly. Yeah. We're, we're kind of 0 for 2 in yeah. recent months, yeah. right? That's why I'm
1: already setting the low our, bar. It's a low.
0: Yeah, by the time you <laughs> listen to this, the Phillies will or will not have I won know. the World Series. I know, Didn't and the, the Eagles, World By the time you listen to this, the Eagles will or will not have won the Super Bowl. That is a
1: shame. But but you know what's good about that? Here's the glass half full. All of our teams have made it to like deep into the
0: playoffs. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we are the jinx here. Maybe because we keep...
1: We then you're keep, right. We you're keep right.
0: kind of talking about this. That's the reason they're losing.
1: Then I'm just going to say they're probably going to lose and maybe hope that we'll get the reverse answer. But yeah, they're probably going to lose. But like I said, there you that go. game one. You
0: know what didn't inspire me uh-huh, last night? The, the Sixers game one victory over the It <laughs> didn't yeah, inspire so that, you? Uh,
1: bums. Yeah. Um,
0: well, so speaking of inspiration, like, like I, I came into this. This is the... Mm-hmm. I, I will share with our listeners. This is the piece of the podcast that I struggle with the most. I always mm-hmm. feel great pressure to figure out what inspired me. I don't mm-hmm. know if that means... That I'm inspired by nothing, or I inspi- or, or I prefer to believe I'm, I'm inspired by so many things that I just mm-hmm. can't possibly choose. But our, our producer Lauren, uh, who's sitting here with us, uh, she was telling me earlier today about an initiative that actually did did inspire me, and that initiative is in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. LL Bean, the outdoor company, has actually done a campaign where they are. Uh, uh, I guess, kind of giving up social media. They're shutting down their social media accounts for the month. And then they're also uh, launching a challenge to encourage individuals to spend more time outdoors. So I can't think of a more inspiring thing going into the summer. Mm -hmm. I always think it's good when you know, organizations and businesses are, are kind of doing something that, you know, from their standpoint, this is good PR. We're talking about it on this podcast, but I do think that it sends kind of an important message that there's something bigger than kind of like likes and retweets and social media impressions and, and whatnot. Go
1: play outside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, and then the other interesting part of this article, which I did not know is like, uh, what do you, what do you, do you know what LL stands for in LL being? Please do tell. Uh, it's, it's, uh, Leon, Leonwood, Bean. So his first name is Leon. Mm-hmm. His middle name is Leon Wood, like all, <laughs> all one word and then and then Bean. So I almost feel like that's like, that's like, well, yeah, redundant, yeah. You know? yeah, my name is like Duncan Duncan Young or something like Actually, that. Actually,
1: so. my, my godparents had a plumber named Craig Craig.
0: Craig Craig was that his it was his first name and his, and last, his name? last
1: name I don't know why his parents did that to him but you
0: need to, if you're gonna do that you need a middle name yeah, and it's gonna be like right. I'm Craig Michael Craig or something Craig like that Craig. You know?
1: yeah I I do think uh I have met a few, quite a few people with two first names i you know, different names but two first names right like like Tom David or something like, that. <laughs> like that's your last name as well you know what I'm saying who
0: were who the characters you were like the, the Newhart show back in the 80s it was like I'm Daryl this is my yeah, brother yeah Bob Darryl.
1: Bob this or is, is it it Bob? Bob no you're right it's it was Daryl you're and right the Darryl. brother Daryl it's yeah, yeah. What it's
0: like, so anyhow, like George uh, Foreman's we'll, kids, they're all George Foreman. Yeah, we will end this uh, we will end this podcast uh, with a shout out to Leon Leon Woodbean. Nice. I hope he was a good guy, like if he was a bad guy yeah, right. in real life and we're doing a shout out to him, I'm gonna feel <laughs> bad about that. But he founded ll Bean, which but at is least a,
1: this initiative is what we're shouting out. We're shouting out the <laughs> initiative,
0: and Leon Leon Woodbean, assuming he was a reputable, upstanding individual, we're, we're mm-hmm. giving him a a shout out as well if he was like a scoundrel or a villain then, scoundrel, uh, scoundrel <laughs> then you know uh, uh we we kind of withdraw that endorsement of leon leon would be. um anyhow i think on that note lane mm-hmm. um on that little random bit of minutia we should probably wrap it up yeah. thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Mindbeat podcast uh it's been really great doing this with you this year uh i believe there's a good chance depending on when this airs that this will be uh, among our last episodes kind of of the, mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, we will take a little bit of a break for the, the summer, but we will be back with you before too long as we uh, start to gear up for the 2023-2024 school year. For all of you who have been part of MindBeat this year as a listener, as someone who shared comments, emails, kind of et cetera with us, we appreciate you. We we hope that you found the content helpful and uh, it's been great for Lane and I and and for our entire organizational family here at Effective School Solutions to hopefully provide you with information that's useful to all of you in your daily lives as teachers, administrators, parents, uh, uh, etc. So thanks and uh, have a uh, great rest of your week and a great summer.
1: Thank you. I echo all of those sentiments. Have a good one, everybody. The MindBeat podcast is a production of Effective School Solutions. MindBeat represents the opinions of Duncan Young, Lane Whitaker, and their guests on the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing a standard of care, in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or your local healthcare provider.